Oh, yeah, I love that sexy music. Ah, okay, this is your favorite friend. You're our only friend in the watch business because let me tell you, most people aren't your friend in the watch business. They'll tell you they are, but reality is they're not. They're out to make a buck. Okay, this is Lee Jackson, America's Finest Watchman. How are you today? Have you gotten any wonderful finds you need to tell us about? If there's something you need to tell me, it's LeeJacksonWatches at gmail.com. I'm also on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And please do me a favor. Wherever you get your podcast, please rank us high. Give us a good rating if you like the show. Please, we need the help because we want to get the word out there. We're not getting enough word out there to everybody, and I want everybody to listen because this is so much fun. This is the most fun you can have. Keeping it clean, that is. Okay, so let's talk. What can we talk about today? First thing I wanted to ramble on about was um, the shopping network business. I get a kick out of talking about that, and I'm sure they get a lot of people asking me questions. So I want to go over the overnight shopping shows. You know, I did, I didn't do overnights because they were like death. They were like a uh, ghost town. So generally what you get on overnight shopping shows, and this is uh, pertinent because if you're buying watches on TV, hello, maybe you want to watch the late shows. Okay. Number one, you don't have the same viewership. You have much lower viewership at night and people are messed up. We used to get drunk people. I don't know who could be up at two, three in the morning drunk, but we got a lot of them. They also take lower prices for everything because it's so slow at night. So you can make a hell of a deal if you stay up and look if there are watches on overnight or whatever you want to buy. And since you have such weirdos buying, if you're halfway normal, you can make a killing. You can make a hell of a deal for yourself because I'm telling you, it's like a ghost town. Now on the bigger networks like uh, HSN, QBC, they probably have so many eyeballs that it really doesn't matter. They still probably do okay. But... It's less expensive to buy the airtime in the middle of the night. So your costs are less. But remember, you got to have a, a complete phone bank, technical people, camera people, all that costs. They don't charge less for doing overnight. Trust me. So you got to be aware that your costs are there and you need to make sales at any, at any cost. So they'll take deals that normally you would not get during the day overnight. So keep that in mind. Okay. What I wanted to talk about today was watch movements, because while you're a collector, it's very important, new or old, to get an idea of what exactly you're getting. Are you getting like a wonderful name with a crapped out movement in it or a lousy name with a wonderful movement? I mean, what are you actually getting? Kind of important if you think about it. So I want to talk about some of these. I know I've talked about them before, but I want to do it in a different way this time. So the first one is... At ETA. Now they are now a Swatch subsidiary. They were not originally a part of Eterna. Um, let's. Okay, the origins can be traced back to Fabrique de Fountain Milan, Fontaine Milan, FHF, uh, A Shield, and AMSA which combined to form Ebosch's essay in 1926, that came later. 
Okay, so in 1931, Ibosh's SA joined forces to create ASUAG, a precursor to the Swatch Group. Um, Eterna merged with them. Eterna was then forced to split into two separate companies while Eterna continued producing watches. Their movement division split off and became ETA. Remember I've told you that ETA stands for Eterna? E-T-A is in the name Eterna. Um, now, there's still different names and styles among the movements because of the mergers that went on in movement manufacturers. A lot of the ETA movements were derived from designs of previously independent companies like Passau, Valjou, Unitas, which are good movements. Now, the biggest ETA movement is 2824-2. Remember, ETA makes different levels. So there's chronograph, there's regular, there's rough. So when you buy like, say, an Invicta, which is total garbage, and they say, oh, we have a Swiss movement in there. It's going to be the lowest grade Swiss movement they get their hands on price-wise. Keep that in mind. They can tell you Swiss all day long, but what's in there? Okay. So um, the 2824-2 is a three-hand automatic movement with a date display. The 28 is the movement. The next two is complications, like the two is day date. At the end, there's a 2892, and this is in the higher uh, price category because it's flatter than the 2824-2. Now, Tag Heuer calls it their own. They call it a caliber 7, and Glashute and Ulysses Nardin have their own versions of the movement. So they buy the movement from ETA, and they change it somehow. They make it, they finish it better. They do whatever. They do things to it that make a big difference. Now, ETA also owns Valjou. And Valjou was one of the finest chronograph manufacturers there, there was. They still are making them. They're not as good, I'm told, as they used to be. Um, 7750 is the most popular. And it's... I don't know. The United series work well in larger cases because their calibers are bigger from pocket watches. That's where they derived them from. The small and flat hand wound Pissot 7001 is trendy. If you look at Louis Erard, they have a lot of those movements in there. Um, the trend toward larger cases started with the introduction of the ETA Valgrangi series. Remember, things are much bigger today. They're not smaller. I like smaller. Now they're huge. Um, Swatch members can get a hold of the 2842-2. They're called the Powermatic 80, and they have an 80-hour power reserve. And you find them in Tissot. And movements are available in different grades of refinement. Remember I told you this? Just because you get an ETA movement, there's four grades. There's standard elaborated top and chronometer. The higher grades come with more extravagant finishes and sometimes improved precision or even a chronometer certificate. It's worth taking note of the movement's grade if they tell you, and they don't most of the time, you don't know. Uh, there's also an automatic caliber system 51 with an 80 power, 80 hour power reserve. And oh, that's a lousy movement, it's plastic. 
Yeah, I wouldn't touch it. They put it in Swatch. Okay, the next movement company we want to talk about, and this is today's movement, not old ones. The next one is called Salita, S-E-L-L-I-T-A. And if you haven't heard of them, you should because they are becoming bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, ETA was told they had to give their movements to anybody that wanted them. They could sell them, but they had to make them available. So they did. And now it's changed. So ETA doesn't have to make them available. Guess what? They're not. So it's harder and harder to get ETA movements if you're a watch manufacturer. Um, two thousand three is when it started. Edda's delivery to third parties was going bye bye, and then Salida produced movements based on Edda prototypes. Remember, Salida made a lot of parts for Edda movements and then gave them to Edda or put them together themselves, and they just started doing it more. When Edda gave up, they just decided to jump in. The patents have exp expired. So the Salita SW200 corresponds to a 2824-2. The Salita 300 is modeled after the 2892. And a Salita 500 is a clone of the Valjeu 7750. With the SW200, which is their most popular grade, they even offer the same four quality grades known for Meta, so you can have a perfect replacement. Now, remember, some watch companies, they won't even tell you what's in their movement because they don't know what they're going to put in there because it's what's available when they're making them. If Etta's available, great. If not, Salita. So Etta and Salita are very similar in quality. Supposedly, Etta's a little better, but Salita's no slouch. They're fine. Um, Salita movements are on par with Etta. So they decide the movement manufacturers and the watchmakers decide what's going to go in the watch. But Salita is expanding to get bigger because Etta is pulling back. Okay. Now the next one is Seiko. Now Seiko has been around a long time. They're Japanese. Their original name was called Sekosha. And you can find wall clocks that say Sekosha on them because that is the original name of Seiko before they shortened their name. Uh, they're very common. They're very good movements. Uh, started by the Hattori family in the late 19th century. And then there's a subsidiary called TMI Time Module. And they market Seiko movements to third party. Um, but they give them different names. Like, for example, their bestseller is an NH35, which goes by 4R35 and Seiko models. It's very good, and their movements are excellent. Seiko makes very good quality movements, but are they up there with the best Swiss? Not in my book, but I'll tell you what. They have this Grand Seiko line that goes for huge money, and I don't understand it, but people are buying it, and it's a big deal. So I don't know. To me, Seiko is a less expensive. It's a mass market, less expensive watch, period. It's just the way I look at it. Now, the other one, there's, there's three big ones for movement makers in Japan. There's Seiko, there's Citizen, and there's Orient. And Orient is now owned by Seiko, so that kind of lets them down the, down the pike. But they still make movements you can get. Um, Citizen's movement company is called Miyota, M-I-Y-O-T-A. And you see them a lot in inexpensive watches, and they're very decent movements. 
for micro brands, lower price models. Um, uh, there's all kinds of movements. There's a Miyota 821A or 8215. And then in 2009, they came out with a 9015, higher standards, classier appearance. Uh, they're more expensive. And then there's some honorable mentions. Now, the next one, my friend Ricky, the watch repairer, got confused with Chinese movements. He said, oh, Ed is gone and, and Salida's junk. It's Chinese. I said, no, it isn't. I looked it up. It's not. He thought it was. But what he had confused it with is a company and a movement called Seagull. Seagull is a Chinese movement manufacturer. And I'm told they're not very good. He hates them. But I read that they do pretty good. They're decent movements. And their big movement is called an ST19, which is a remake of the Venus 175 chronograph movement, which is a very good movement. So my opinion is stay away from Siegel. All right, STP is the next one. Swiss Technology Production is a fossil subsidiary. Uh, they also have mechanical and quartz movements and their stern glass brand has a lot of these movements in it. There is a model they use called the STP 1-11, which looks very similar to an Etta 2824-2. Next one is Rhonda. Rhonda has been around a long time. I've seen Rhonda stuff going back to the fifties and sixties. They do a lot of quartz. They're very good. They have mechanical. They have a new one that came out in 2016 called um, Rhonda Meccano R150. Uh, I like Rhonda. They're, they're decent. R-O-N-D-A. And then how do you tell? We're going to take a break. And I will be right back. Please don't leave. Please, I need you. Don't, don't run off, please. I need you. Where did you go? Don't run away. We need you on this show. Okay, so we're going to take, take a quick break here, and we'll be right back. So don't go anywhere, por favor. I need you. Don't go. Fooey. Fooey, 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 fooey. Okay, we have to take a break with or without my music, which is acting up right now. It doesn't want to load up for me. So if I can get it, great. If not, oh, well. All right, here it comes. We got it. All right, be right back. Okay, we are back. It's the most exciting show, just because I do it. I know it's exciting. I'm exciting. I'm a very exciting person. Yes, I am very exciting. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, so we talked about movements. Talked about movements. Yes, we did. We talked about movements. And we are now, maybe I should talk about repair, or should we talk about, you know, let's talk about watch repair, shall we? Watch tools. All I got to do is call up watch tools. Something will pop up, and off we go. Okay. Um, 
I see these kits they have for like 59 bucks, $15, $20. Please don't buy them. They're absolute garbage. A real service kit by Bergeron is $1,000 compared to these cheapy ones. They're just junk. They're absolute junk. So what I'm looking for is um, here, Jeweler Supply, Casker. Did we look at this already? I don't think so. Let's see what they have for movements you can buy. Here you go. Look what they have. Okay, here's what you can buy. LMX movements, ISA movements, Seiko Pulsar, ETA, mechanical movements, Swiss Bosch movements, Ronda, Miata, closeouts, Hattori, Orient. I told you Orient was a big one too. All right, so let's look at Swiss Bosch. Let's see. It just says Swiss Bosch. It's a quartz. They're 10 bucks. Not very expensive, but that was also a woman's watch too. All right, so what I really want to look at is, do I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Let's see. Diamond testing, brushes, a brace. Let's look at abrasives. That's kind of important. Here we go. Um, they have discs. They have the wheels like I use on my grinder and my buffer. They have this aluminum oxide abrasive wheel. And what that does is it's very rough. It's not hard. It's just very rough, like uh, steel wool almost. And what that does is it puts the matte finish on your watch. And I do use it. I've got to admit, I use it. Then they have little disc kits that would go on either a Dremel or the ones that hang down by, who the hell makes those? Like here's a ring, inside ring polisher. Boy, could I use that? I have a ring that needs to be done. They have all kinds of stuff. I If you don't have a Dremel, you should have a Dremel motor tool because it gets into really small spots. And it has things you can put on at different ends, like a diamond point cone, all kinds of stuff. And I'm looking at uh, these different tools, like a diamond point round, a narrow, narrow cone, a tapered cone, all these different tools you can buy to work on things. Emery peel back polish, peel away compound. I don't know what the hell that is. Polishing blocks, emery sticks, uh, wheels. Yeah, they got a lot of stuff. You should go to one of these websites and look at the different products they have that could help you. Um, mandrels for emery paper, emery cloth, mandrel for abrasive discs and press on. That's the stuff. The mandrel is the shaft that goes into the Dremel or the, what's there? It's called a Fordham. And they have these also, these um, bands, and what they actually are is a little round kind of open discs of sandpaper that fit onto these mandrels. And then you just turn on your Dremel or your other tool and use it like sandpaper. Um, sandpaper sticks, sandpaper sticks and belt sanding kit, separating discs. I mean, I'm looking at all these, I'm getting tired of this though, but there's all kinds of stuff. You need to learn what to do. All tools, tools for watchmakers. Let's see what we got. Jeez, I got a lot. 
Let's see what they have for machines. Watch case presses. Remember we talked about that last time? Tweezers, watch case openers. Let's go through it. Uh, screwdrivers. How about ultrasonic cleaners? We haven't talked about that at all. Ultrasonic cleaners are, you can buy them pretty inexpensively. I mean, I'm looking on this website and the expensive, the really good ones, like Freedom Ultrasonic Small Parts, 7,500, but normally they're between mm, two and a half and 700 bucks. I'm trying to see if there's anything cheaper. Here's one for 104, 99, 104. Yeah, they're all over the place. What do they do? Well, you put a, you don't put a movement in here, folks. If you put a movement in here, you can kiss it goodbye. So you don't want to do that. But what you do do is you put metal in there, like a gold case. You take the movement out, put the case in there, and it somehow sends out an ultrasonic signal through the liquid that you have in there, and it gently scrubs the material. And they work pretty good. I mean, every jeweler I've ever known has one. Here's one for 59 bucks, $44. I mean, they got them all the way down. But the good ones are made of metal, and they have baskets and stuff in them. I mean, you could get away with a much cheaper version of it, but there's all kinds of baskets that are metal, like um, kind of like a heavy screen. They have hooks. Once you hang in there with a basket, hooks, all kinds, of, you drop it in. But you don't want to lose it in the liquid. You want to be able to get it out without digging for it with your hands. So usually what they do is they put it in like a basket that hangs it down in there. Here's ultrasonic jewelry concentrate, non-ammoniated ultrasonic jewelry concentrate. I wonder what it is. Uh, safe cleaning gold, base metal diamonds can be used as ultrasonic cleaner and boil out as a dip spray or soak, rinses with water. One part concentrate, 15 parts water, non-flammable. Okay. You know, my, I used to work with this Rolex repairman. His name was Dick. He was really good. He worked for he worked for high-end jewelry stores. He was Rolex certified. Guy did the best job on Rolex I've ever seen. When he did your Rolex, it looked like it came right out of the factory. It looked so nice. Now here's all these different solutions, non-ammodiated, concentrated, blah, blah, blah. There's like 10 different ones. There's more than that. Try 20. So he would always bring me stuff and I would say, how do you get it to look so good? And nobody would ever tell me. My guy, John, who I used for years and years and years, he would put water with a few drops, a little, some ammonia in there, and a few drops of dishwashing liquid. And that was the solution in his ultrasonic that he would use. Now, my friend Dick, on the other hand, his stuff came out so good. And I hounded him. I harangued him for the longest time. What do you put in there? What do you put in there? And he finally told me what he used. And this, is a, this was a big secret for years and years and years and years and years. He uses a anti-grease, excuse me, anti-grease solution. Like a grease cutter. And he would get it at Smart and Final in a big jug. And I've tried it. It works really good. But you got to be careful because it is a chemical. And it can mess you up. So you want to be very careful. So... We did that. We looked at ionic cleaners and all that. If you put it in there, it does a really good job. Let's talk about watch presses. Remember we talked about Rolex? And I had talked about how you press the bezel down. It takes a lot of pressure. You can't just pop it on. They have these 
they call them presses, large watch press with different plastic dies that pushes it in and without hurting it. They're like, the knockoffs are like 40 bucks and they go all the way up to $600 for the really good one, Bergeron, Bergeron. But they have different makers. Screw on, snap on, they're 100, 200 bucks. There's all different prices, 259, 249. You need a good one. You buy a cheap one, it's not gonna work well or it's gonna fall apart. That's what I've learned in this business. You want to buy decent. You don't want to buy the best, but you also don't want to buy the worst because if you do, you're going to be sorry. And they have extra dies for these things. Case dies to fit Rolex for a special press. So you remember Rolex has a different back than the others. And they have all these different uh, pressing dies that you can get. It's really interesting. Okay, what else can we look at? All right, let's look at screwdrivers. Remember we talked about that? I told you that you buy a Drew screwdriver, you buy the cheap ones and they're horrible. They just don't even work. I had to send it all back. Okay, so a good set of Swiss screwdrivers. You hope you're sitting down. 379 to 400 bucks. How's that? That's a really good one. Then there's another one by Virgion and they range from 279 down to 119. Then they have a company called Horia 169. See, I don't know how good these all are, but the problem is you buy them and then you're screwed if they're bad. But if it says Swiss, you're good. Here it just says set of seven. Here's Bergion Phillips screwdriver. We don't need Phillips. Set of five, $70. Set of six, 32. So they're here. You just have to look. Hex screwdrivers, all these little ones. And they're the jeweler's kind which is different than regular because it's the way it's set up. The top swivels, it like turns. So when you're a jeweler, you push down on your screwdriver and then you hold the top and you just turn it. It's not the same. You don't grip it in your hand like you would a regular screwdriver at all. Um, how about loops? Do we have loops? Yeah, eye loops. What kind of magnifier are you going to wear? You need a magnifier. Trust me, you do. You can have the kind of hooks onto your glasses. You can have the one you put in your eye, which I don't like. You can have a jeweler's loop, which you hold up to your eye. Uh, there's also the ones that I like are the glasses ones. They're like a set of glasses with two lenses on the end that swivel up and down. And I like those. I'm looking for them right now. Here's loops, $10, $50. The loops are more for jewelers, but you can use them. They're just hard to hold up to your eye. Um, there's loop neck chain on a gold rope. My friend that owns a um, pawn shop has one around his neck because he uses it so much. It's always there. He doesn't have to go looking for it. It's hanging on his neck. Okay, what do we have new? Loop holder. They have these little ones. They're little magnifiers that light up. There's a flip up glasses one, 14 bucks. I'm trying to find the one that I use. Uh, they have, here's the one, here's mine. They're not expensive. They're like $35. These are clip-ons. So these clip onto your regular glasses. Mine have their own frame and everything. Then they have the, the visor ones that I think are very uncomfortable. Those are $59. They're not expensive when you realize how good it is. Um, 
Then they have glasses that you can actually wear that have a magnifier in front that flip up. That's kind of nice. I hate to tell you, but I kind of like this half frame, full frame. So the, the, you wear a frame of glasses and hooked to the front of it are these flip up magnifiers. So you're actually wearing two sets of glasses. And I have a feeling that the first set doesn't have anything in it. It's just a frame to hold whatever you're putting on it. So I think that's kind of interesting. Uh, flexible lamp. Uh-oh. I think we're out of time. No, we still have a couple more minutes. Okay. Thank you. Okay, we got about a minute left, so let me finish up. I want to find, see if they have mine. Okay, so that's it for loops. You need a loop. You have to be able to look at what you're doing. And trust me, it's so small. What you're looking at is so tiny that sometimes you can't see that well. You have to have a loop to really look at it. And you want to look at these small parts and make sure everything's adjusted right, in the proper place, in the proper order, or not, it won't run right. So that's not a great idea, is it? No, it isn't. All right, so that's it for now. I do thank you as always for watching and listening. Uh, again, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Lee Jackson Watches at gmail.com. Drop me a line. Tell me what you want to hear. I'll talk about anything you want. I know pff, I got so much crazy info stuck in my head. I'd love to get it out to you guys. And remember, I do this absolutely with no cost to you. And I do it as a labor of love. If you think about it, I don't do it because of, you know, it's something I have to do. I don't have to do it. I do it because I do it because I have so much info in me. I really would like to get it out and get it to people and make them enjoy doing watches because it's so much fun. It really is.